This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 59. Hello and happy December to everyone listening to this in real time. Um, We are just a week out from Christmas and I know everyone's schedules are about to get kind of hectic. So I wanted to get this episode out to you and onto your phones and your computers now just to give everyone time to listen and soak it all in to your own schedule. If you are listening to this from the future, though, maybe in your flying car whilst wearing hover boots, then don't worry. I think that everything me and my guests talk about this week is super topical and genuinely going to be useful year round, especially for anyone who struggles with things like self-doubt, taking leaps, seeing the big picture and planning ahead. You'll hear us talk about a few resources and links in this episode, too, which, as always, you'll find at my website, meanola.co.uk where you can also pre-order my book and catch up on all the previous episodes. Okay, let's get on with the show. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. So for everyone who doesn't know you as well as I do, could you give us a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? I am Hannah Bullivant, and I am a stylist and a writer. That's how that's the most succinct version <laughs> of my uh, what I do. And I live in Kent in the UK with my husband and my two kids. And I focus on, I guess, everything. I use the word soulful a lot, so styling with soul. And and generally, my content is a lot less about following trends and a lot more about creating an event or a, or, a, or a room or a space that feels really good um but I also talk quite a lot about things like journaling as well that's a, that's been a big part of my life as well I love that that is your succinct version of what you do and I know that it is your succinct version of what you do because I've seen you so Hannah and I are friends in real life and I've seen you go on this journey kind of over the last uh four years or so I would say where you've really been trying to figure out what it is that you want to do what it is that you do for your audience and what elements to keep in and take out yes it has been an agonizing process at times (laughs) um so like maybe let's start there so for anybody listening who feels um that similar kind of pull maybe between two different areas of their business or two different areas of their interests or more than two like I definitely hear from people who have what they feel like are multiple disparate non kind of streamlined interests that don't feel like they all belong together how did you choose what was a part of your running your business I think essentially via a process of trial and error um, and just testing some things out and it's I guess I realized as well that um you need to consider a obviously what you enjoy and what you're good at but actually I I realized that I needed to consider some practical things as well in that you know is it is this an area that I can make the money that I need to make to support my family um so it was it's it's basically been kind of buffeting between those two things over the last four years um of thinking at one point I thought maybe I wanted to do become like a forest school leader because I really like I really I really enjoy going to the woods with my kids um and I've realized that actually I'm you know rather than attempting to make a career out of it I'm happy to just keep that as something I just enjoy doing with my children um and again that was just some trial and error and um you know putting some feelers out and I actually looked into that qualification um and then similarly with interiors I've always loved interiors that it's possibly it's my earliest passion I guess I really remember 
um, moving my bedroom furniture around as a, as a kid and um, buying interiors magazines when my friends were buying like just 17. <laughs> and so, yeah. And again, I, I sort of I've gone I've kind of blown hot and cold with interiors and I'm not sure if I've wanted to put all of my eggs in one basket, because although I love interiors, it's not all I love. So I resisted doing anything in it for a long time because I was like, oh, but, you know, I've got I've got something in me that I feel like I'm, I'm not sure if this is it. Um, and essentially, I think it was more. Yeah, just trying. I tried. I tried some things in interiors and realized that I actually I really I really enjoy certain elements, but I'm not so interested in other elements. Um, and yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And actually, like it's I feel like that's a part of the whole narrative that we don't get to hear very much. Like there's so much out there about follow your bliss and you know find your passion and just get to do what you love for money and those things can all be true but figuring out what that looks like for you and and the practical side of it as well is kind of that's all just as big a part of the picture and it gets left out so much of the time it so does it's so not as simple as following your bliss like if you're you you know yeah you need to you know if it's possible that you might be able to do that if you have a buffer, if you have savings, if you know, or if you've got support from a family member, you know, um, or if you happen to hit on something that makes really good money very quickly, then obviously that that's brilliant. But I think, yeah, I think that it's probably a lot messier and a lot grayer and murkier and behind the scenes of, yeah. It's, most it's, people's business, I would say, is, is they go through this period of kind of, well, what do I want to do? What do my audience want me to do? What's the middle ground? Yeah. And how can I make some money? I've, that absolutely had been a part of my story as well. Like, you know, we, yeah, I've needed, me and my husband are both freelance and yeah, we're not from, a, a, you know, a particularly moneyed background, you know, so gen, we are earning all of the money that we need to earn to support our family. And there's been times that that's been really stressful and hard. And there's been times when it's gone really well, but yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not a simple it's not a simple linear process that the money thing. So, yeah. Well, on the subject of money, you did just mention to me, I hope I'm okay to to share this with everyone, but you mentioned to me just before we hopped on this call that I think you've just had your best, most lucrative month ever within your business. Is that right? Yes, I have. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It can feel quite scary, I think, even to just admit that to the world. Yeah. I always yeah. have a feeling of like, oh no, now they're going to, now I'm going to pay. Like now they're going to take it back. Yeah, I know. Like they're supporting me out of pity. (laughs) (laughs) Or even just like there's some some magical balance in the universe. And if you have a good month that you somehow have to suffer as a consequence, it's so funny, like the tricks our brains have kind of set us up for. Um, Yes. But where was I going? Um, So tell us about what you've done in the last month within your business that has helped make it more profitable. Um, Well, I took a series of leaps that I have been delaying and putting off for, for years in some cases. Um, and again, it can, it, this, it, 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 the root of it is all me trying to figure out where I want to focus and what my niche is. I'm doing um, bunny ears um, and where, you know, where I'm going to focus and what I find fulfilling. And, um, and because I wasn't sure about that, it, I, I was delaying launching some of the some of the things that I've been wanting to launch for a long time um so those things just in case you don't know or, or follow me are an ebook um I re- I've always I've wanted to write down my tips for styling a gathering for a really long time on years in fact um, and I finally got it together and got it out in November 
Um, and the other thing that I've thought about, I've, I've been planning to write and release and do something with all year is an e-course um, about setting intentions for the year. Um, and again, I think a, a, a sort of toxic combination of me not feeling like I was an expert enough, like I found my niche um, and yeah, and procrastination, <laughs> and fear, imposter syndrome just meant that I had delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And actually the thing that made me really um, kind of, I guess, jump off the cliff was actually money. And that's what we talked about earlier. So uh, again, it was a practical concern and it was just, get, it, it was a realization that as we got to the end of the year that I needed, we needed to really make some money in order to just make our rent and bills because one of my husband's projects had been pushed back. Um, so that gave me the impetus I needed to actually step out and put myself out there in that quite vulnerable way and, you know, and see if I could basically so test, yeah, put some feelers out and see if I could make some money with these ideas that I, I've been like mulling over for years. Is, um, it is amazing. Like, the power of motivation of of struggling for money like I know yeah. we tend to think I think if you're someone who's not come from a background with a lot of, a lot of money or you, you know if you're struggling it can feel like a disadvantage all of the time and a lot of the time it, it is kind of a disadvantage on a really practical level you can't afford to invest in yourself you can't afford to invest in your business like time is always at a premium because you're torn in so many directions but it is such a gift in terms of motivation sometimes because it gives you a push like absolutely nothing else can yes yeah and that is yeah that is absolutely what has happened so I've had this feeling for the past few months of like I've almost been kind of on adrenaline like, <laughs> like oh my gosh I've, I've just done it and then and then yeah and I also did did lots of things all at once so one of the things that's gone well for me this year is I've been running um these day retreats in my house um, and it's only for 10 people so it's super small groups and um, but people have been really enjoying them and they've been selling out quite quickly so that that has been a really nice experience for me um, and then in the run-up to Christmas I've always kind of liked the idea of doing workshops to make wreaths and talk about Christmas styling and I haven't done that for the last two years <laughs> and then this as this December rolled around I was like okay I'm gonna this is the this is the December that I'm gonna do the workshops um, and so I had I released all these workshops and and um, they pretty much, lots of them sold out quite quickly. I messed up some of the ticket sales on some of them. Um, they sold, they sold well. And then at the same time, I decided to release my ebook. And I realized that if I was going to do my e-course about setting intentions for January, that that also needed to be released. <laughs> so <laughs> I was doing all of this stuff all at once, um, which I don't necessarily recommend. I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling, I just a slightly shell-shocked. <laughs> but um but I also, there's a lot of, I feel really proud of myself as well, because I have, it feels good to have just tried and done it rather than be stuck in that procrastination and pondering place, which I was stuck in previously. Um, and I do have more clarity about where I want to go. And I do have more clarity about what I enjoy and where I want to, you know, where I want to pursue. And I also have loads more clarity about what my audience enjoy of my content and what they are willing to invest in me for. You know it sounds I mean? like it's been a, a, the next step of that thing you've described as the journey you were previously on, where you had to try stuff out. You had to yes. try it out to know what you liked and what worked. And what you've finally done now is tried out the next level of stuff that you've kind of been feeling resistance around. Yes. And what I always yeah. see as well, I think when you take these leaps they feel like the hugest leaps in the world. But like looking from the outside, I'm still looking at you and going, well, this can go bigger. Like she's still playing small. 
Like there's there's a whole new level that all these things can go to. Um, but it's all in increments, isn't it? Everything's always got to be in steps. Yeah, like I remember I launched my, uh, I did a three day, I was asked to run a three day residential retreat over the summer. Um, and I remember when I launched that, I was so resistant and nervous about it. I actually felt sick, like as in hovering over the toilet, about to vomit sick. Like, and I literally had to lie in bed. Like I, it was so, it took it out of me so much. And I felt exhausted in the launch of that and having to sell it and feeling like an imposter. Um, and then, you know, I, oh no that's all done waking up sorry that's my baby waking up but hopefully we can go um but over I've, I've now since that point launched probably seven or eight different workshops I just ran the last one at my house on Saturday and the, the difference like launching I felt so confident launching it because I knew what I was delivering and I knew that I, I knew the value in it um, and and you know, even just, just before welcoming people into my house, that used to be a time of, oh my God, you know, what am I doing? And I'm not ready. And, you know, that used to be a stressful point. And actually I was just able to be really calm and enjoy it. Um, and again, afterwards, something that I used to do after my workshops is, is, is real, really focused down on the bits that I could have done better on. And, you know, I'd almost feel like I just kind of want to hide, <laughs> like just feel really, really vulnerable. And then again, after this one, I just felt, I just felt really happy. I just really enjoyed it. And I know that the people who came really enjoyed it. And yeah, but that again, it was just, by doing it <laughs> time yeah, and time by getting through it and that is again another part of the whole process that tends to get edited out a lot of the stuff yeah. we see online and kind of people's journeys that it does feel scary and horrible and vulnerable and really unpleasant sometimes it is not all bliss so yeah absolutely I loved yeah. when tell me if I have to edit this out but I loved when after you launched your uh, styling book so um the guide to gathering ebook and it was selling really well you did you messaged me didn't you and said like is it normal to feel like really overwhelmed that it's doing well like this almost feels as bad as when it doesn't do well yeah I think I said to you I just want to run away yeah and like and that was a really and I've had that for everything I've done so for my workshops and and e-products where although less so now because I've, I've done it quite a lot recently this month and now I'm feeling able to actually I don't know, take up the space a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because, yeah, I think there was so much imposter syndrome and so much fear around it that I'd sort of launch it and then feel sick and almost feel like I was out of my own skin. It's like, that's, you know, yeah, it's such a weird feeling. Um, and yeah, and I just felt really bewildered. I was like, oh my God, you know, like, I don't, yeah, it's a really strange thing to try and explain because in the mix of that, I was also feeling excited and proud. There was good feelings as well, yeah. but there was definitely, this big like wedge of shame and like ickiness in there as well that I don't really I don't know whether people talk about that much. no and it, I think it does take so much to unpack I kind of think of it as I say a lot like I think running your own business is a kind of therapy and that is like what's that like extreme immersion therapy they do for like you know like if you've got a fear of spiders they'll like chuck you in a big vat full of spiders this is kind of like immersion therapy for all of our all of our like self-doubts, all of our beliefs about money and about self-worth and so much is in there. And what you do when you sell something, especially if it sells well and it goes out to a huge audience, is you have ripped that plaster right on off and you're like in it. And yeah. you inevitably then start sorting out some of those feelings and it takes time and it's not like an overnight process, but it it's a really hard way to confront those things about yourself, but it's a really, really effective way to confront them as well. And that makes you a better business owner, I think, with every launch. It's like growing out of an old skin, isn't it? So yeah. my, um, 
Ray Dodd is my sister-in-law and also my business coach. So she's kind of held my hand through lots of this. And one of one of the yeah, a couple of the things that she said is like sometimes when you're yeah taking up a new space that that feel the, the, the like yeah, it's like you grow and like burst out of this you know your this old sort of skin of you thinking about like snakes. No, no, I like it. It is true. You're like literally like shedding your old skin, but that that process is not is not always going to be comfortable. So it's really fucking sore, and then your new skin is all vulnerable. Um, and the other thing she talks a lot about is um, that a lot of the time, the reason we might feel our inner critic might be um, really telling us that we're not good enough and that we need to stay small um, is it, because it's that primal brain inside us trying to keep us safe. Um, but it's not really evolved it, it, you know, at all to the level that we are functioning today as human beings. So when our bodies or br- our brains um, sense that we are, are doing something out of the usual, it, it, you know, it sends all of these really sharp kind of nudges and you know signals to get back in, get back in the comfort zone, get back in the it safe zone. It tells you anything it can basically to get you back where it knows you're safe and I always think about it's such a Pinterest quote and so I apologize but it's that thing about um a ship in port is safe from like winds and storms but that's not what ships are made for yes yeah um you don't want to be that ship that just stays like stays on the dock because it's safe and never gets to actually like travel the world yeah and I think that feeling of bewilderment as well, I think that was part of that as well. So that, so that feeling after you finally launched that thing or done the thing that you've been putting off and feeling a lot of fear about, um, I just think it's not as easy as you just feel really relief, you, know, you just feel relief and happiness. Um, you know, in my case, there was all these other really weird feelings as well because it feels it's a new place that you've not been before. Yeah. So it's sort of navigating new feelings and new yeah. fears and new realizations and yeah I, I think it's really important to talk about and actually like one of the things I've been working on um myself in like the last kind of few months is celebrating at those moments which I think people like before you've done it you just assume that you would you've assumed that like oh if I sold like however many e-courses I'd go out and I'd have drinks and it'd be a party but then what happens is you get stuck in in this place instead of like overwhelm or I have a real thing again that we, we touched on earlier where I'm like, I don't want to like take it for granted. I don't want to be too happy about it because pride comes before a fall. Yeah. Um, but actually that what ends up doing is you never celebrate. You never get to really just inhabit that beautiful moment of something having gone well and enjoy it. Yeah. And so like, yeah, for me, it's it's like, actually, I'm going to just let myself like open the champagne or sometimes it's even just, you know, it's just a small thing, but like being able to be glad of that moment and grateful for it is harder than it might seem from the outside yes it absolutely is um and I've been to the point where after I've I'd launched a successful um one of the day retreats I think sold out really quickly um and Dave my husband was like oh you know should we should we like let's celebrate And, and I I literally couldn't I I was so fixated on the fact that I'd messed something up or like forgotten to say something or I don't know. It, it was actually, it was, um, it was quite funny. You know, <laughs> was like, what funny? Why, can't I, why can't I do that? But yeah. And I think one of the, actually what the thing that's really helped me to do that is my journaling sort of my journaling process. Um, and I linked that in, we're going to talk a little bit about this I know later, but in, with, with my 
sort of start of year process. But as part of that, I do these monthly these monthly reviews. And it's, it's because of those monthly reviews that I look back and go, oh, my gosh, like, look at what I've done this month. Like, look, at, like I've just had this epic, this epic month, like not not just in terms of the money I've made, but in terms of the work you've done and the progress. And... Yeah, like, and yeah, and not, and you know, and that, that my feelings and that I'm starting to feel a bit safer doing that. And that my experience has suggested that actually it is okay to try something new and put yourself out there and, you know, yeah. So obviously the time of year this podcast is going out, if people are listening to it live, it's either going to be December, January time, that time of year when people start to make these resolutions and these promises to themselves and set goals for the year. And I know that you're someone who you set a lot of goals and we'll talk about this a bit more with the January book. What would you say to anyone who has had a bad experience in the past of kind of setting goals for themselves, especially in like the form of New Year's resolutions, let's say? I would say be kind to yourself, much kinder than you probably instinctively would be, and even kinder than that. Um, <laughs> and especially connected to all of the stuff I was just talking about earlier about not knowing what your niche is and um and you know maybe procrastinating on business decisions I used to write these goals um that used to make me feel actual terror because I was like right this is the year that I'll finally deal with that you know and I will launch that thing and I you know I will discover this this um and actually they uh didn't work um and I've had I've had I've had goals like that in the past again similarly uh they didn't work and generally, that is when I've written a goal that feels like a punishment mm. it comes from a place of self-loathing. Um, and I think that in, in almost in fact, every single time that I've, that I've written a goal where it's come from that place, it hasn't worked. Um, and whereas I've, I've now got years of experience of writing a goal that makes me feel fizzy with excitement inside goals like that are a hell of a lot easier to stick with. Um, and generally, it's 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 when it's based on how you want to feel rather than how you, you know, it rather than this exact thing that you want to achieve or that, you know, that way you want to look or do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's giving yourself something instead of taking something away from yourself a lot of the time. Tara Moore calls it giving yourself a gift goal. So that's a really lovely um, way of putting it. So a goal that feels like you've, you're giving yourself a present rather than a should goal that makes you feel crap about yourself. Um, so yeah, so you might say, for example, like one of my big ones this year, it has been take steps to nourish my body and, be, um, and increase my sort of strength and energy levels. You know, and that, that's makes me feel good when I, even when I say the words, I'm like, yeah, I want to do that yeah. <laughs> rather than lose that weight. Do you know what I mean? Like, which is just comes from a place of, it just, just doesn't come from a good place. Totally. In fact, I, later, can we talk about that, please? Off the record, yeah. I've got so much I want to talk about with that. Um, <laughs> but um, like, I actually had a really funny conversation with Rory, my husband, the other day, because he was like, what, what are you going to make your New Year's resolution? And I was like, oh, I've not thought about it yet. And he was like, well, you know, it needs to be good because you had the New Year's resolution that you were going to try and get yourself a thousand Instagram followers when you started your Instagram account. And by January, you'd done that. And by the end of the year, you were like quitting your job and making it your business. And then you had your New Year's resolution that you were going to get a direct message on Twitter off Mark Hamill. And now his you ended up getting so close to him that his like wife and girlfriend are threatened by your relationship and he's not allowed to speak to you. <laughs> so he was like, you need to set a good goal because you're going to it's going to be like, I'm going to learn how to make coffee and then you're going to launch a chain of coffee shops. So, but, so we were laughing about it. But I think there's something in there because they were all they were small. They were achievable. 
and they mm-hmm. were just fun like I didn't want a thousand Instagram followers to start a business I had no expectations of that goal it was purely something I wanted to do for me I wanted to see if I could I wanted to enjoy the process same with the Mark Hamill DM like there was no long-term plan there I was just like that would feel good that would feel fun and I'm gonna go for it yes the fun and yes the joy yeah definitely we need more of that (laughs) like yeah and then in the end they they can often end up being beneficial to your business or to your life or to all those other kind of goals that you maybe have on your mind but by approaching instead of kind of instead of approaching it from a place of like I guess like you're not even approaching those directly it's giving yourself room to grow in other directions can often make you grow in all directions Yes. And I have absolutely, that has absolutely been the case for me. Um, when I like shifted the, um, kind of, I guess the, the foundations of my goal so that it was something that felt, felt good. Like, like you say, um, it's easier to get it. It's easier to achieve because it's something that you naturally are going to, are going to want more of. Um, and then once you've, once you've done that, once you've achieved it, or once you've taken steps towards it and felt the benefit, um, it naturally leads to more more kind of yeah more happening more more things coming into your life like that um yeah I find that quite fascinating it's a little bit like the decluttering stuff the Marie Kondo stuff like often people start start by decluttering because in my styling work that I'm always talking about decluttering with clients but people start decluttering their homes and and yeah they find them themselves decluttering a hell of a lot more than just their possessions um and it you know it, it yeah, the sort of it has an impact on lots of other things as well, because it feels good. You give your body that your mind and your body and your heart the experience of taking some action, you know, that that leads to something that feels really great and you want more of it. And we don't necessarily do a lot for ourselves in that way. Like we're not very good at giving ourselves space to um, indulge the other parts of ourselves or kind of to look after ourselves, like you said start by being kind and then go even kinder because it's not normally in our nature to be that gentle with ourselves no and it's certainly not in mine as well um I'm yeah I'm quite good at beating myself up about things and it's been a real work (laughs) over the last few years to uh practice kindness to myself um in in real deep ways and in all areas and and to just keep offering myself more and more um, and writing goals, doing the, doing, offering yourself that real deep kindness for January goals is the absolute key to making them happen in my experience. And that's like 10 years of doing January goals and writing it down. And yeah. Yeah. So tell me about this. How did this January goal process start for you that's now evolved into the January book kind of course and the whole process? That is just from the fact that my very nature is, uh, I, I process all of my my feelings externally and I always have done. I've always written in a diary and I've always talked out my feelings with my close friends and family. And when uh, Dave and I were, so this is 10 years ago, we've been together for a really long time. We were having a discussion about what we wanted to do that year. Um, and this is, I think, when we were thinking that we were going to like quit our jobs and go traveling around the world for a year. That never happened. But anyway, <laughs> like, like, well, let's let's maybe write, write turn this into a plan and um, let's write it down and um, and so yeah we we did write it down and we decided to call it the January book for a reason I don't and, and longer any longer recall um, and we decided to split it up into categories and this is um links in quite nicely to the element of joy that we were talking about as well so the categories that we decided to 
focused on, so look back at the previous year and, and then focus ahead on, ranged from the health of our marriage to like what box sets we were watching. Um, and like Dave wanted to, for, for a few years, um, we had like technology <laughs> as one of the things that we talked about or like, um, like dates or um, because it was important to us to, to not just strategize where we wanted our, our careers to go and those really big life moves, but also to actually, yeah, think about how we were going to spend fun time together, like do like, and separately as well, like some of the stuff like hobbies that we wanted to learn, like, yeah, skills that we wanted to learn or yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because I guess we, it's very easy to get intentional about our work. Like we're often told we need to do that that message kind of, I think it even starts like in school, but never do you really get intentional about your joy and your pleasure in the same way or your relationship. And if yeah. it works for one area of your life, of course it will work for others. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that actually, you know, often, for example, when we first started this, that we were trying to find a way to quit our jobs and go traveling. And actually that never happened. But what did happen was all of this other amazing stuff. Um, and it, it, you know, just having those conversations, um, having a conversation that was specifically about how do, how do you feel about our relationship and is there, are there any areas that we could focus on this year? I don't think many people do that in, a, in that strategic way. Um, yeah, they might, they, 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 you know, we're, we're used to applying strategy to work, but we're not used to applying it, you know, that kind of strategic thinking where we plan and review things to our relationships with, you know, with our partners or with our children. Um, and yes, things like resting and rela relaxing and, you know, like things we're going to do to foster like play and joy. And yeah, so and, and I've realised that that's been so important for me this year because I've really upped my work this year. And um, but I also have a one year old and a six year old. Um, and it's been really important to me. Um, I've just realised that I need to maintain my my own sort of like relaxation and rest and pleasure and prioritise that every day. Um, Gemma David from A Quiet Heart calls it vitamin P. What's what's your daily vitamin P today? Like vitamin pleasure. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I just think about that quite a lot. Um, and because you've you've kind of provided space for that, I guess, in your life. And that's I, I can see how actually doing all of this at once has a real advantage as well, because then they get to feed into one another, I guess, in a way that they don't. If you wait until crisis point with every area of your life, which is kind of how I've been doing it. Um, I think it's probably how most of us do it. So you wait until like your relationship gets really snagged on one issue and then you try and deal with it. But by that point, other routines have already been set or not been set and kind of being able to look at it all as a whole and see how you divide up that piece of that pie into different slices. I can see a lot of sense in that. Yes, it is incredibly revealing. Um, and it's often... Dave and I will say things to each other that really surprise each other. And we've been together now for like, like, I think it's 17 years. No, wow. we just, yeah, it's like half of our lives anyway. So we know each other really well. And still when we have, when we go through this and are like, you know, we often say, say things that really surprise each other, whether that, whether that's something that I say about my career that Dave was like, Oh, really, really didn't think that's what you were going to say. Or whether it's a reflection on our marriage or our parenting. Um, so yeah, it's, so it does lead to sometimes some stuff that needs to be dealt with um, or, you know, feelings of dissatisfaction or like, yeah, you can imagine like in any kind of relationship, there's going to be issues that come up often around like the three, the three things are like sex cleaning and house, no sex, housework and what's the other one? Parenting. <laughs> 
yeah, is it parenting? It might be. Money? Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, sex cleaning and money. That's it. Sex <laughs> um, they're the three things that generally tend to cause a lot of stress in, in relationships. Um, but yeah, it's really useful to just provide a space to have the conversation and and then to have the conversation about, okay, what are we going to do then? Um, and that's a really big part of it as well. Again, having gone through this a few years, well, lots of years now, is that the key part of making it actually then really work is to make it practical so you you know a result of a conversation with your partner might be okay so we need to be making weekly time together that's like no phones no tech like we just need to be you know whatever whatever it is just we need to be spending some more proper time together um and you know what's okay well let's get the diaries out then and let's schedule in like like but you know it's things like that and then let's really help hold each other accountable to making that happen and making that priority in our life um so yeah it, there's like a lovely the process has the big dreaming the the kind of big stick your head above the noise so you can see how things are stuff but it also has the real daily practical stuff in it as well that that's the key to making things actually work making things happen it kind of sounds like an appraisal but for your life that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I miss my appraisals. That's the one thing, like, since I've left, like, the NHS and kind of that structured employment, I am a bit like, man, there's no one to give me an appraisal and, like, help me plan the next stages. So, yeah. I, yes, so to give yourself an appraisal, you so need to do the January book. <laughs> clearly do. So what about anyone who's listening to this thinking, yes, I, I too need a life appraisal, um, but I've got no one like a partner who I can immediately do it with in the way you've just described. Okay, so actually, I, I would say that the January book should be done primarily as a thing alone, first first of all. So um, the, whether you choose to do it with your partner or another family member is up to you. And I would suggest that that's a positive thing to do. But actually, the January book, I would say you should do it. It's something to do for you um, as an individual, first and foremost. That's good to know. That is good to know. And, and how do people get it? um okay so you can get it it's on my website which is hannahbullivant.com and uh it's available as we record now it's available it's available for pre-sale and then we're going to really kick things off on the second of well we're going to open the facebook group on the second of january and then kick things off on the seventh just to give people a little bit of time to kind of actually get into the new year and settle and rest after christmas um but i think we'll be it'll stay open throughout january because i know that it sometimes takes a while to kind of yeah get into the space of even thinking absolutely and you and I were just talking actually about some people kind of spring is a better time for setting goals so for some people they might prefer to come back to it later yeah I found this so I I wrote a free version of this January book process last year um, and then was really um, blown away by how many downloads it got Uh, but lots of people downloaded it in spring and that's because I think lots of people just feel like winter's a real time for hibernating and are not really ready to really make their goals for the year until the light is better until things are sort of growing in the ground and it actually makes sense doesn't it like (laughs) that is the natural season of rebirth so yeah like it depends if you live by calendar then January is like the time but if you live by like more like I guess the cues from nature then maybe it's more like a March time yes and I haven't decided yet whether I'll do a second round of it in March yet. I'm just going to kind of see, feel it out and see how it goes. I think you should. Just <laughs> FYI. Um, so interesting, because you mentioned just then that you previously, I know you had like more of a skeleton version that you, you had as a free opt-in last year on your mailing list. And 
you are someone who I always talk about your mailing list experience um, as a really good example of why being (laughs) deliberate and intentional and knowing your audience really matters. Um, So tell everybody about your previous biggest um, lead magnet for your mailing list. Yes. So this very much speaks to my indecision and uh, about how I wanted to focus. We still need, yeah. Um, and I uh, went through a, a period of wanting to, well, of experimenting with the idea of becoming a forest school leader and, and really going down that path. And I basically designed and worked with an illustrator, a series of nature bingos that, that you could take into, into nature and, um, and do some nature bingos. Um, and because you can on Pinterest, you'll see if you go, if you search for nature bingo, they're mostly really ugly. And I was like, oh, I think we let's do a really beautifully illustrated one just for fun. Um, so yeah, so we did and put them out there, and they still get loads of downloads now. But I no longer promote it um, because I realised actually shortly, quite quickly after that, that that isn't an area that I particularly wanted to monetize or make into my career. I was just happy to have that as something in my life that I just enjoyed for me and my family. Um, but that continued to to uh, add to my list, even though shortly after that point, I sort of pivoted my content to, to focus more on interiors. So I was in this really weird place where I, I was building quite a big mailing list. Well, big for me, I think at that time it was maybe 2000, but they were all people who'd opted in to receive a nature bingo. And then I was emailing them about interiors and like, yeah, it was a and bit. And then it wasn't converting in the way you, you would expect. No, as in they, you know, they were happy to hang around, but then when, when I'd release a workshop, or like, uh, yeah, then no one was buying it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I it, like, it's such, like, when you put it in those terms, it obviously seems like really clear, really obvious, but it's not when you're in the thick of it, because it's really easy to get into this mindset, isn't it? Of just, I need an audience. I need people on my mailing list. And it kind of, it feels like it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter who follows me on Instagram. It doesn't matter who's reading my blog. I'll take anyone, any numbers count. And it's only when you actually then need to test that, like in your case, like, trying to sell a workshop and these people are like well no I'm here for parenting content or like nature content this isn't something I'm ready to invest in I guess again it's about being intentional yes it is and it's also just about I guess I'm giving my past my past self a bit of grace in that experimenting you know yeah process because this was all from yeah but from the time when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to focus on and and, you know yeah so I I tried a thing and it it was successful but it wasn't successful in the way that I needed it to be and so I don't know it's just chalking it all up to experience isn't it yeah well it's a great learning experience because it taught you about like a what you needed from your mailing list and what you need your audience to kind of be interested in but also how to create a lead magnet that has like sparks demand and how to get it out there in the world and um like those lessons are still things that you've brought into your business it's not none of it's been wasted it's just that those people are not perhaps the people you're going to be speaking to in future yes yeah um and yeah I sort of did a few different products and workshops around the theme of sort of nature and children in nature and it just didn't it was it sort of went down quite well with my audience but I wasn't making any money and I also found that in terms of working with brands on Instagram there wasn't really any scope there um and I think that possibly is now I do think it's a bit of a different sort of world now but um yeah and also having again I also had a realization when I was sort of halfway down this path where I was like I don't know how much I've how much I actually want to make money from this like yeah I and that you know you might be trying 
it's okay to just do something because you enjoy it without trying to make money from it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that, yes. that's what I got to with this content. Like I still love going to the woods with my children and we do it a lot, but I know I'm no longer, it's not a key part of my content and it's not something that I'm wanting to monetize. And that was just, again, I had to try it to, to know that. Um, and now, you know, I sort of decided to focus a bit more on interiors for a few reasons. I've always, it's, it, I've always loved it and it is obvious, it's a hell of a lot more commercial. So, you know, in terms of the money-making uh options within that i knew that there was more scope there for me um and so you know i was i just became a bit more intentional with my newsletter so i've yeah one of the things i wrote was a shelf styling guide and and that's that's been a really good lead magnet for me now um uh and yeah and then i guess yeah so and then that sort of led to i've now written i've then written my ebook which is a, a a guide to styling and hosting a gathering whether that's at home or in a venue um and that, again, which is by the way phenomenal i absolutely love it and i really think it needs to be really printed because it's so beautiful it seems like i want it in my hands oh, so many people have said that and i have looked into it but i think i've run out of time for christmas maybe in the new year maybe in the new year <laughs> um but again that came quite naturally from um i was sharing content on my Instagram and on my blog about the events that I was styling and the, and, and the things that I was hosting. Um, but also my, my take on it as well, which was, it's more about the people and the community than it is about the, the stuff. Although the stuff is nice. Um, and that's that, that you sort of resonated with people. Um, and so I decided to put, combine lots of the articles I'd written elsewhere, you know, online into one book and then really flesh out each chapter um and it, yeah and people have really enjoyed that so yeah it's just it's just been a really big long learning process it's taken me a long time so i yes i've just had my best month ever and i am now at a stage in my career where it, you know if I, if i could have said to past me that i would have made the money that i'd made this month or had you know be be putting on consecutive sellout workshops you know things like that you know, I've just got my, I've just got my first column and I was in the Telegraph over the weekend, all of this amazing stuff. I just would never have believed it, but it's just been a, a long process of trial and error and being kind to myself and giving myself permission to pivot and change direction if it didn't feel right. And it sounds like giving yourself permission to be yourself, to actually <laughs> lean into the things that make you, you and make your content uniquely yours and yes. stop trying to chase kind of the big picture of what everyone else tells you it should look like oh my goodness yes I could talk about this so much so I, I started out on Instagram um and when I realized that Instagram was going to be a key part of whatever business I was going to build and be really intentional about my content I was looking at the accounts um with you know millions of followers in my niche of styling and lifestyle and essentially trying to copy it, my version, but still I was trying to copy it. And I was looking at, um, at that thinking, okay, this is what success is. And this is, you know, this is, this is what I want to make. Um, but actually, yeah, A, I never was able to create the same content because I am not that person, you know, and I don't have all the support and the kit that they had. And, and also I realized that it wasn't working as well with my audience. So I was building an audience, but um, when I put my first workshop on four years ago and really struggled to sell it and barely broke even. And then between then and now where I'm doing workshops that are selling out, um, I, I think the difference is that I have given myself permission to be me in my content. There was a time in my blog where I consciously took myself out of my content. I literally 
I remember saying to people, oh, I want it to be a lot less about me and a lot more about the products that I'm, you know, that I'm creating and the stuff that I'm selling. And that just really didn't work. <laughs> so it really didn't work at all. Um, I realized that people really like to know about the person behind the brand. Um, and as I allowed myself to be more me in both in the content I was creating, whether that was blog posts or Instagrams, um, and also allowing myself to share more the stuff about my life that I had previously hidden. Um, so the fact, you know, like I have shared a bit more this year about mental health or just the reality of having a family in the mess, you know, um, yeah. and sometimes I'd have horrible vulnerability hangovers afterwards and be like, God, no, you know, if I look around at other stylists, you know, they're not sharing that, <laughs> you know, you, you know, how am I making a mistake here? But actually the more I, the more sort of I shared of myself, um, in my content, whether, you know, or on stories or whatever, then the more it seemed to resonate. And I think that that's really helped. That's been a massive key part of me sort of finding my flow, even though I have not found a niche. That isn't what's my, that hasn't been my story. That isn't my reality. But I've certainly found a space that's mine. <laughs> um, and it's it's working for me and my audience like what I'm doing. And you, yeah, you kind of it sounds like you're really connecting with the right people and, and the people who you want on your course where they're going to be setting intentions for the year etc because it has to be right from both directions it has to be a relationship yes yeah it does um and also yeah it's that my one of my realizations this year was to stop trying to niche down as well and and just sort of embrace and accept my multi-hyphen multi-passionate sort of self as well and that that when I say that it's been about being more me and my content that's been a big part of it is is accepting that I, I, I'm, in, I'm interested in lots and lots of different things and some of those things won't make it into my content and they'll just be things that I'm interested in and pursue privately but some of them will and uh, they won't necessarily all necessarily flow you know beautifully or niche together beautifully um, but that's okay. Yeah, th this comes up a lot in the Insta retreat, like people kind of really scrutinizing all the different elements and saying, I think I need separate accounts and really wanting to split it yeah. off. Mm -hmm. And I always come back to this, that A, I don't think anyone's interests are ever quite as disparate and different from one another as they feel to that person. Yes. Um, so like everything you've described to me, all of that does come together because it's all you. And that's the kind of the B to this, I guess, is like, the thing that connects all the things that you love, that you are, is you. And that's what your account should be about. If your account is about you, then there's always scope. Then there's always scope for all the different elements of yourself and all the different things you love. But if you make an account about interiors, like you said you were trying to do, where it was almost depersonalized and it was yeah. almost like a corporate voice or a magazine voice instead then you are very, very stuck and you you can only really go in a few directions because you've, you've built that instead of an account around a, around a real human. Yes, I do still share. So I'll, I'll share a, a shelf styling guide or like a bedroom makeover or whatever. But then there's a lot of other content as well. Uh, yeah, you know, in the midst of the midst of that, and me, me sharing alternative content or content that's not only about interiors hasn't affected my, be a, the client to book me to help me with, Help, yeah, help them with their homes or help them with their events or it's not affected brands collaborations for Instagram in fact I would say that it's really helped my brand collaborations on Instagram and often when brands get in touch with me they're like oh you talk about you've talked about mental health or you've talked you've talked about this and you know we, we want that's something that we want you to talk about in this collaboration so it's been a positive thing I really think there's been a shift actually I almost 
like a trend driven shift where there was a point where everyone's content was super aspirational almost glossy like the best definitely like the high-flying content all had that feel to it where it was like almost like a magazine where it was too good to be true and then there's been this kind of revival of reality that's that's kind of bubbled up from underneath and, and seems to now have taken over and it's something like I've recently added kind of rejigged and added content back to the insta retreat and this is something I now have dedicated lessons to is just exploring your vulnerability and letting yourself be human online and it's it's a difficult it's a fine line I think because we don't want to say like oh put everything out there because it'll get you followers like that is not the aim here but it is a powerful thing I think it's powerful just internally if you let yourself be yourself and be seen online because when you're not rejected when you're like welcomed with open arms and when you find your community that is a huge moment for most people like oh my goodness I get to be myself I don't have to pretend that I'm perfect or that I'm someone I'm not um and also I think for people watching it's it's a really healing experience because you can see that everyone else is just the same as you Yes. And I think it's forging your own path with it all. I talk about that a lot. Um, like, you know, as unique individuals, we need to figure out our own sort of way through the, you know, you balancing the need to make money and, you know, which has been a big part of, of it for me. And yeah, we've said maybe people don't talk about it very often, um, but balancing what feels safe to you in terms of what you want to share, because... Yeah. Um, and also what feels, how it makes your audience feel as well. Like I don't, oh, I'm all up for honesty, but actually there's a point at which I can't follow an account that's consistently uh, leaving me feel, leaving me feeling really negative and icky. Um, and so there's a balance again that it has to work, what, you know, what, what that's right for you. Um, and it's, it's going to look very different for everyone, isn't it? Um, I always think that you're really good at sharing being human online. And I, th- I, I like that's initially before we became friends. That's what that's what drew me to you. It was your blog. You've written a series of blog posts that were super like just really vulnerable, like but like but really inspiring as well and real and relatable. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's something that has probably been a factor in lots of people wanting to be, you know, part of your e-courses and be part of your world. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think it's just about forging your own path and finding it, finding a way of sharing and yeah, that feels right for you. Yeah. And I think it changes for everybody all the time. Like what feels too vulnerable this month might feel absolutely fine next month or vice versa. Yes. You always talk about the drafts, your drafts. Don't yeah. You? Yeah. My like my drafts that are written in the height of crisis and yeah. then saved until they don't feel so raw and scary to put out into the world. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, for some people, they might not want, they might really want that glossy personality and, and that perfect kind of online world. And I'm sure there is audience and demand for that as well. But I guess yeah. what you and I have learned, and I think what a lot of people listening to this will have learned as well, is you have to find the people that want what you want and see the world how you see it. And so if you're mm-hmm. pretending to be something you're not, you've got to have to work an awful lot harder for the rest of your life to maintain it. And you're going to create relationships that are not really equal and are not based on who you really are. And certainly for something like the Insta Retreat, like I've really learned that the best people to work with through that class are the people who are going to show up and not be afraid to share everything that comes up for them as they go through it and share like their work in progress and share how they feel when things go well and when they don't. 
because that's where I can help and that's my way in to, to be able to kind of help them grow and help them achieve what they want to achieve. And the people who are more reserved are not going to get as much out of it. So it, it all feeds together to kind of make everything work, if that makes sense. So I realise you've probably not done your January book for 2019 yet, but do you know what any of your goals or intentions for the year are going to be? I feel like because I have, it's taken me until the end of 2018 to actually like test some stuff and launch some stuff. And um, I'm still very much in the focused on the end of just, yeah, the end of this year. Yeah, get through this so, year first. Yeah. So I think a big, big one for me next year is going to be balance and self-care because I've now demonstrated to myself that I can you know, launch things and that, you know, that there's, I've found an area that I want to pursue and that, you know, ticks the, ticks the boxes. I found, I forged, I found a path for myself through this that ticks my boxes. Um, but I just need to do it in a way that doesn't leave me feeling exhausted. Um, so, you know, I know that's such a, that's like just such a cliche, isn't it now? But yeah, so that's going to be a big part of my year is finding things that are financially sustainable and, emotionally sustainable yeah it's got to be both can't have one without the other yeah it's interesting what you said about self self-care because there's a quote that I'm desperately trying to find in my screenshots right now but I can't find it but it was something someone had written on tumblr and it was kind of touching on how self-care like is as a concept a lot of us have rejected it and I assume it's like just oh it means having bubble baths and face masks and like I don't need self-care in my life but actually especially if you've got a history of something like depression or anxiety, self-care, We re- sometimes we're rejecting self-care because we don't believe we're worthy of having that care. And actually, like, when you sort of hate yourself, giving yourself permission to be kind to yourself and look after yourself is a really radical act. And, um, yeah, that really resonated with me kind of in a really deep way. When I read it, I was like, oh, I feel like I've been personally called out by this Tumblr post. <laughs> yeah, that is... I think that is really, really true. And it it really links back to if it's probably also the reason that someone who might deep down really hate themselves or have elements of real self-loathing, that when they're making goals that come from a place of self-loathing or come from a place of feeling like you need to be punished, you know, like because Mm. I think that those goals are very highly unlikely to come to fruition because, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, It's like trying to hate yourself enough to love yourself yeah like uh, but so many my goals all used to be that and I think loads of us have got that really deep down like when you start to get to that goal setting process any kind of strategy setting process that yeah yeah it comes from it can often come from a place of right here's here's where I'm crap and here's you know and here's what I want to fix about myself do you know what I mean definitely yeah and having a more structured process like an appraisal like you you can't turn up to your work appraisal and be like I'm gonna you know completely change who I am because it's much more about well what are the things that I need to just be showing up for what are the things I need to be working on yes and like I obviously still heavily rely on my own January book the thing that I'm that I'll be teaching in the e-course because I still find that I need hand-holding and reminding through the process of writing the goals you know to, to make sure that my goals are focused on feeling you know gifts goals rather than should goals or you know because yeah, I think still, I still have this, there's, there is a still instinct somewhere that it just still needs a little bit of, 
I've lost it. I've lost it. You still need to find space to encourage kindness for yourself by the sounds of it. Yeah. So I find that's why I still do the process and it's still a part of my life. And I've, you know, found, I've found the way that we do the process is that there's, there's a lot of this sort of strategy at the beginning of the year. And then there's like a monthly process and a quarterly process that supports it. Um, and again, it's just so helpful because actually, uh, you know, lots of mine this year have been about self-care because I'm a doer. I'm not very good at sitting <laughs> and, you know, I, I, yeah, I can just, I can just work myself to the, to the ground and my, I do get, my health is, I just get sick a lot, you know, if that happens. So I've just this year really trying not to work myself to the point where I just get sick. Um, yes. So yeah, that's one of the practical things that every month. I have a, I literally have a self-care goal, but I'll write like specifically how I'm going to do things that just feel really nice. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah. for anyone else who, who is tempted to eye roll when they ever, they hear the word self-care, which is me, um, I'm going to share, I'll try and find that screenshot and put it in the show notes so that people can read it in the better words than I just shared, because it did really make me stop and question that reaction I'd been having and go, oh, oh, okay. I get it a bit more now. <laughs> Yeah, self-care for lots of us might look like a nice bubbly bath and a scented candle. That's always, they're always the two things that come up, aren't they? Um, But I think that it can come, it it means very, very different things to different people. And I think it needs to mean more, probably more radical, messy stuff. Yeah, in (laughs) fact, I did an Instagram post asking people what their self-care looked like and what, you know, what self-care could look like when you had no money. Like how, because if you can't afford, if you've not got a bath or if you can't afford to fill it with hot water that day, like what is self-care to you? And and it was really interesting to kind of just hear how different people found ways in their day to kind of just refill and, and give themselves what they needed and be, yes. okay, with, be okay with doing that because that's kind of two steps, isn't it? I think I got back to you on that and said something like CBT and beta blockers. Yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, for me this year, those two things have been really important to my self care. Yes, uh, and so, that's something that a bubble bath's just not going to hit for you. No, <laughs> and it's like you know that bubble bath, like that is a part of my. Sometimes you know I'm all about embracing the small pleasures, but sometimes you need to give yourself the space to to take slightly more radical action than a bubble bath. And sometimes your self care needs are about yeah more than that. <laughs> and know, also. You know, I got a couple of DMs from people saying, I want to say masturbation, but I'm not, I'm not brave enough to say it publicly. Yeah, I mean, it's still valid part of self-care. I mean, we should be talking about that. And it's free. Hello. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, But for anyone listening to this in public company, we won't go any further with that topic right now. (laughs) I always think that though. And I've occasionally, I was like, do I go there? (laughs) Free self-care. Well, I think, like it's interesting to me that as I said we wouldn't go any further with it but like that's a topic of conversation for men from like the teenage years that is a-okay it's like joked about they make films about it there's printed media everywhere that is like that is that is what's the word I'm, like that is like aimed towards um accommodating that need and yeah. yet for women like even now we're like is it okay if I mention it on Instagram I know, yeah. It's still definitely a taboo. Definitely. No yeah. one talks about that. And I, I often, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's, yeah, debated about whether to talk about that. Because, yeah, there's like, when, when there's, there's often a lot of content that's like self-care and, you know, taking five minutes to yourself. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just different to a bubble bath. It's another option, ladies. Another option. And gentlemen. It's more beneficial. <laughs> well, yeah. But, yeah. 
Um, was that my phone? Oh, it's my computer. Sorry. Um, so Hannah, people who are listening and um, are ready to make space in their new year for some more self-care, however that might look, and also for some cool setting, where can they find out more? On my blog, which is hannahbullivant.com, uh, there's uh, yeah, there's a link to sign up there. So at this stage, as we're recording it, it's just available for pre-sale. So it's, it depends when the episode goes out. But the actual content will be all kicked off um, on the 7th of January. Um, and it's going to be the process will be split up and made manageable. Um, and there'll be a video for each sort of part of the process. Um, and also... So I've said definitely the January book is something that should be done first and primarily for you as as an individual. However, there are so many benefits to doing it with your partner. And Dave and I are going to come on and do a video about how the January book has helped our relationship. Because the feedback we had from last year was that yeah, most of the positive feedback from last year, well, a lot of it was about how it's helped their relationship, has helped people relationships. So we're going to do a bit of a warts and all kind of, yeah. Juicy. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. <laughs> so, um, and I like that. I actually like that it's available for pre-order because I feel like it's the kind of thing I want to buy and then I want to forget about until the email like just appears in my inbox at the start of January and I can be like, ah, I've kind of given myself this gift and now I have the accountability of actually checking in and doing it. That feels good. Yes. Yeah, hopefully. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this stuff with us today. Um, I really appreciate that you've let yourself be quite vulnerable and and you have talked about stuff that not everyone is happy to talk about. So thank you. Um, Give us your Instagram handles and everything as well so we can all come and say hello there. I'm Han Bullivant on Instagram and I think I'm Han Bullivant everywhere actually. Yeah, you finally managed to get everything the same, didn't you? I remember that was... Yeah, there might be a rogue underscore on Twitter actually. I think it might be Han underscore Bullivant or Han underscore Bullivant. Is it bad that I don't know that? But generally, I'm humble and if you search, then I should come up. I will link to them all in the show notes as well, as I always do. And we would both really love to hear from people, wouldn't we, about kind of their New Year intentions, their self-care, anything they want to talk about that's come up in this episode. We... And specifically, the stuff that you're going to do that's gonna, that makes you feel excited and good rather than shitty, that would be that would be good. Yes, absolutely. And actually, I should I should end this by mentioning my goal for 2019 at the moment um in line with my um you know Mark Hamill Instagram followers (laughs) all I want to do is I want to start blogging again I really miss having a space where I can put anything I want and it's just received how it's received like with Instagram with social media now it all feels so much more like you've got to play the system to an extent So mine is just going to be to blog and to do that for myself and to see where it takes me. And I have no expectations of it. And that feels really nice. That's that's yeah. I feel excited. I feel tingly listening to you say that. Tingle (laughs) goals. That should be the hashtag. Can we have hashtag tingle goals, please? Yes. Tingly goals. Tingly goals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tingle goals. Yeah. Tingly goals, guys. Hashtag tingly goals. (laughs) Tag your posts with it so that me and Hannah can come along and, and see what you're all up to. Show notes for this week's episode are at meandallair.co.uk forward slash podcast 59. And do come by and share your thoughts and your plans with us on Insta and use our brand new hashtag, hashtag tingly goals, to join us in our pursuit of a really brilliant new year. I hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas, whatever it is you're doing, and I will see you very soon. Bye.